Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Mean O'Line Media presents Business of the Beat. Hi, I'm Kendra Bracken Ferguson, and I am a founder, brand builder, entrepreneur, and believe in the mantra, Carpe Diem. I created this podcast, Business of the Beat, through my own experience as a beauty executive to talk about, tell stories, and highlight the business of beauty through conversations with beauty and wellness entrepreneurs, intrapreneurs, helping to diversify the industry. This week on Business of the Beat. We sent this out in the survey, um, you know, with four or five other names, and Pupro came in dead last. Pup Row made dog parents think of death row, of skid row, of prison. (gasps) (laughs) Completely the opposite could not have been further from what we were trying to capture. Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Kendra Bracken Ferguson, and welcome to Business of the Beat. Today's guest is Julie Napolitano founder and CEO of Puppington. But before we get started, don't forget to follow, rate, and subscribe to Business of the Beat on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You don't want to miss an episode, and we love to hear from you. Your ratings and reviews mean so much. All right, Julie founded Pupwax in 2019, and it's the first and only 100% clean, premium skincare for dogs and provides healthier, safer, and more effective skincare alternatives. In February 2022, Pupwax rebranded as Puppington to support its growth and the expansion of its product offerings to clean label supplements, probiotics, and nutritional support for dogs, dog shampoos, dental products, and more. Aside from founding Pupwax, Puppington, Julie has cross-cultural leadership experience at Fortune 500 companies and a track record of building successful partnerships with international teams to deliver innovation and scalable, consistent results. Puppington was a part of the Target Accelerator Program, a top 100 finalist in the FedEx Small Business Grant Contest, won the Smarty Startup Innovation Challenge, and one of 40 selected to receive a $25,000 grant and coaching from the Project Entrepreneur Initiative at UBS. Julie, oh my goodness, I'm so excited about having you on Business of the Beat today. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here with you, Kendra. I loved it from the moment that I saw what you were doing. And I have to brag on you. I mean, 100 finalist in the FedEx Small Business Grant Contest. You received the 25 grant from UBS, Target Accelerator Program, first and only premium skincare for dogs. Julie, how did you create this new lane for yourself, this amazing company? Tell us your journey, how you started, your motivation. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Um, So I founded 
what was originally Pup Wax in 2019, I launched on Black Friday. Um, at the time, we were fostering a lot of dogs in my house. One of them had very dry paws. And I thought, oh, let me just go buy something for him. Um, I check the labels before I buy anything. So whether it's shampoo or food or skincare. Um, and there just wasn't anything out there where I was really comfortable with the ingredients. Um, you know, I looked online, I looked in the stores and I thought, you know, I think there is an opportunity here to create something better, something safer. Um, you know, it's funny because people tend to think of dogs as having very thick, rough paws, um, you know, and, and like they're just not vulnerable. And in fact, it's actually the opposite. Um, dog skin is only about one third as thick as human skin. So in some some areas where it's really thin, it's wow. only maybe three to five cells thick. So, you know, dogs actually end up being a lot more vulnerable to absorbing toxins through their skin through their paws, you know, they're usually not wearing shoes like we are. So when they're outside on lawns or grass, everything that's been treated with pesticides, when they're inside, they're exposed to all of the toxins that may have been used in um, the manufacturing for carpets or for the furniture. Um, so they end up being really vulnerable. Um, and it's, you know, it's that much more important that we pay attention to what we're putting on them. Um, so I, you know, I, I saw this opportunity and I thought, okay, I'm going to create something better. Um, lots and lots of late nights in the kitchen. Um, I was still working my corporate job at the time. <laughs> so 2am, 3am, like either researching, reading the clinical research on just different ingredients, um, and finally came up with something that I felt, um, you know, would, would really work well. So I launched, um, you know, Black Friday 2019. That's how Pup Wax was born. Um, originally, everything was just focused on these topical solutions for dogs. Um, and then actually a few months ago, we ended up rebranding. So in February, we relaunched as Puppington. Um, and that's really so that we have a brand that speaks more to everything that we've got in store for dog parents. So we're expanding beyond topical products to clean label supplements where we'll be launching shampoos later this year, dental products and a whole lot more. Wow. I mean, so there's so many things to unpack here because <laughs> I am just waiting for my little dog to come in and whine at me. And he's the cutest <laughs> thing ever. <laughs> and it is when you look at their skin, you just think that they are, it's so much different. And and I love how you talk about like, it's not as different and mm -hmm. it needs so much care. But before we go further into the product, I just want to take a step back because you said a few things, you know, you talked about working your corporate job. We know that you will work for Fortune 500 companies. You talk about your corporate job and then coming in at 2 a.m. and saying, let me get going. <laughs> so talk about what you were doing in terms of your career and what you were doing from a corporate position and how that transition happened. Um, sure. So I have mostly worn a lot of different hats in the finance space. Um, my last two years in corporate, so my last 12 years, I was working for a global agribusiness company. And the last couple of years there, I was, um, I was responsible for building up a legal operations unit. So I was supporting the chief legal officer as chief of staff and just really managing bringing more 
technology management and um, just really building up a whole legal operations function to streamline processes, to introduce new processes um, across the board. So that um, role had absolutely nothing to do with dogs, with pets, <laughs> with retail, with marketing or any of the hats that I've been wearing for the last two and a half years. But it's interesting because understanding the legal side, the finance side, I mean, you do have an amazing academic resume, University of Pennsylvania, Cornell, Columbia. So whenever you thought about, okay, I'm rescuing dogs, I'm now trying to help them. I also have this corporate job. What was that leap when you said I'm leaving? Because you've worked for amazing companies. I mean, we the ability to work at Lehman Brothers. <laughs> like, so when you said, I'm going to leave, what was that moment when you were like, okay, we are doing this Black Friday 2019. I'm getting out of corporate. I'm leaving everything that I knew. Um, because like you said, it is a completely different industry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was, it was really scary. <laughs> it was terrifying not having, <laughs> um, you know, just all of the support that comes with being in a corporate environment. Um, so, you know, whether it's marketing support or advertising, you know, just anything that you need, there's an established function that can really provide that expertise. Yes. Um, so it was, you know, definitely a leap of faith just in myself to say, okay, I believe in this. This is what's happening. Um, you know, the timing was kind of funny. Mm -hmm. So this was 2019. Um, the company that I was with at the time, Bungie, they had just announced that they were relocating the corporate headquarters from Westchester, New York to St. Louis. Um, and the timing for that was mid 2020. So, um, you know, I had kind of made that decision. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to give this a shot. Um, this being Pup Wax um, and not of course, mm -hmm. anticipating that we were heading into a global pandemic. Um, so my, <laughs> my last day with the company was March 31st, um, two weeks into the lockdown. And the way I had envisioned the spring going was me pounding the pavement, really talking to all of the local pet shops, the retailers, getting out there, trade shows with no, no foresight to know, okay, there's a pandemic coming. And I won't be going anywhere. <laughs> so, um, you know, exactly. things definitely look different. <laughs> <laughs> if you had known that, I'd be like, Julie, we need to be talking about a whole different career right now. <laughs> if you knew, if you had the foresight. Yeah. Um, but you mentioned something interesting because you launched on Black Friday 2019. You leave your company March 31st. And you said in a Target Accelerators interview that you started Pup Wax at the cusp of the pandemic, as many people did, mm -hmm. but you lasered in on a skill that so many people missed. And you said, my ability to network effectively has been more limited over the past year. Optimism, I mean, that's truly optimism <laughs> goal setting in a nutshell. So talk about that, especially when you think about how the world changed and what would normally be a sense of normalcy actually changed it. Like mm -hmm. you said, you had this plan of what you were going to be doing. So talk about networking that thought. Um, and how it really transitioned you. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I, like I said, I thought that this, that I would be growing the business in person, like face to face, making those connections. Um, I had started attending different workshops uh, for entrepreneurs in person that were being held, you know, around Westchester and in the city. And so all of that, of course, came to a halt. And, you know, it's very different when you're in a corporate setting and you're used to working remotely with your teams and you know who your teams are, you know who you're reaching out to, who your customers are. Um, I was basically just 
grasping in the dark, like trying to figure out what are the networks within pet care? What are the networks for, you know, for founders, for women, for black entrepreneurs? How do I really get plugged in? Um, and just, you know, really having to pivot from how I thought I would launch to also just focusing a lot more on e-commerce um, as as a strategy. Um, and again, an area that I knew virtually nothing about. <laughs> you know, all I knew was that <laughs> I had this product. I thought, it, you know, I, I knew that it was great for dogs. And I thought of him going to get it out there. I did not start with the business plan. I kind of started with the execution and then had to work my way back into, okay, what does this mean? How am I actually going to get this in front of the right, you know, people in front of dog parents whose dogs can benefit from this? How do I get, you know, how do I get it out there? How do I connect with others in the space um, so that we can kind of help lift each other up? Um, so it's it's been quite a journey. Oh my goodness. You know, it's so fascinating because when I started my first company, <clears throat> Digital Brand Architects, mm -hmm. we were in the same place. Like we knew back then in 2010 that what we call bloggers um, <laughs> were going to be leading and guiding, which is everything that we see now. And we didn't, we didn't have a business plan. We had bloggers that we knew and worked with that we went to and said, let me manage you. And it was an interesting opportunity to drive into execution and then course, I'm going to say course correct loosely, but to then go back to the business plan and the strategy and really lay that foundation. And so I, I admire that. <laughs> I know it's kind of, it's, it's a catch 22 when you think about it, but even as you, you know, started to grow the business, I mean, let's talk about the, the pet food market because I love this notion of you're doing rescue. And I say it again, because so many of the best businesses come when we are personally doing what we love um, just mm -hmm. naturally. So you're already rescuing. But when we think about this through the lens of business, the global natural pet food market has a value of $22.8 billion. Um, 42% of dog and cat owners choose to spend more on premium pet food. Over the last five years, raw dog food has seen a 147% increase in purchasing patterns. And then 40% of pet owners buy their food and treats online. So I bring up those stats because you mentioned your e-commerce business as a strategy, thinking that you were going to be you know out and about. Um, that became a big strategy. And then you really talk about this notion of you knew that your love of pets translated into business. So what, how did you then come back, build the business strategy, think about networking, building the team, take us on the journey of the business? Yeah, so it's... Um you know, I, and I, I love all of the data that you just, um, that you just shared. You know, it's, it's funny because those numbers, a lot of times we don't think about them. We just know that everyone we know has a dog. <laughs> you know, every other person on the street, <laughs> if they didn't have one before, they have, you know, they now have one. Um, you know, thanks to all the pandemic pups, um, that have found homes. But, but yeah, it's, you know, it's a hundred percent true. Um, there's just been so much growth in the space um, and just such a shift in the way that we think about pets, the way we think about dogs specifically. Um, today, almost 70% of households have a dogs. Um, and, you know, I know you shared a lot of great numbers a minute ago, um, the amount that we're spending, you know, as Americans on pets, it's now it's approaching 100 billion annually, I think it was 99 billion at, at last count. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's really a massive market. 
Um, so I knew I had something that I felt could really, you know, be impactful and make a difference. I didn't, what I didn't have was that big picture at the time. Um, I definitely, you know, I didn't start with the market research in terms of the, the overall business opportunity. I started with, you know, the, the opportunity for the dog that has a dry nose or dry paws. And I did my research focusing on the ingredients and the, the, the small impact that I thought I would have. Um, you know, a lot of the, you know, I, th I think that appreciation for what that bigger picture looks like and just really getting a better sense for the business opportunity came out of the different programs that I applied to um, that I either did not get to participate in or where I was um, selected to join. But just that process of applying to these accelerators and incubators, it really forces you to put all of that down on paper and start to understand, okay, mm -hmm. this is the market size. These are the potential distribution channels. This is what the competitive landscape is. Um, so very early on when I started applying to those first accelerator programs, that was kind of what shifted me into that mindset of, mm. um, you know, here's how I should be thinking about the business. Um, originally, as far as the, the economics went, I just thought of it as like, okay, here's what I need to do to replace my corporate income and to make sure that you know we still have a roof over our heads. Yeah. Um, at the time, I wasn't thinking of, okay, if we get there, what does that mean in terms of logistics and fulfillment and customer inquiries and my sanity <laughs> to be all of those, all of those roles. Exactly. Um, so, so, so yeah, a lot of that came through the process of applying again and again. Um, and, you know, every time that I would apply to a program, if I was not accepted, I would go back and ask for feedback. Um, you know, what was missing? What could I have done differently? Um, you know, there, there's varying appetite for kind of sharing that feedback. But one of the programs, they actually shared the feedback from all nine judges with me. Um, so that was just extremely wow. helpful and helping me to kind of refine and fine tune that process every time I'm putting together, um, you know, whether it's an application or a business plan. Um, so, so that really helped me get a better sense. Wow. I love your approach to this. Um, I love this notion of replacing corporate income. I think it's, you know, it's interesting because when I started um, my third business, that's exactly what my husband said. Even my second business, my mm -hmm. husband was like, do whatever you want. I'll support you. We can't change our quality of life. <laughs> and so we approach entrepreneurism differently whenever we are thinking about corporate income, you know, versus others that don't, because it's a serious, it's a serious detriment um, whenever we can't continue our lifestyle when we've been doing it and when we leave corporate. And we know that there are sacrifices that have to be made as founders. Mm -hmm. um, but that very pragmatic approach, I think, is a different way to lean in to how you build your business. Right. And and I think, um, you know, one other, I guess, aspect of that that we may not think about when we're going into it as founders for the first time is just how your risk appetite has to really has to be different and much larger. It's no longer a question of how big may my bonus be or how small or, you know, it's more of, um, you know, is there even going to be um, a, a positive net income, you know, because we've, we've got all of the costs. We don't have the infrastructure to really bear those costs at scale for the most part. Um, so, so it's just a very different risk profile. Well, and, and even when we think about the risk profile and all of this, like, how did you, you know, the word risk can be seen negatively, it can bring about fear. Um, but 
How did you use the word risk to your advantage? Um, so, so with risk comes reward, of course, or that's, that's the reason that's the motivator mm-hmm. for taking risk, of course. Um, so, you know, a lot of times when, yeah. um, it, if it did keep me up and I'm just thinking, okay, what am I, what am I doing here? This is, it's a lot of, it's a lot of personal risk, a lot of financial risk. There's the career risk. If, if it doesn't work out, can I ever kind of claw my way back to where I was? Um, but Mm -hmm. you know, that reward is also just really unique as a founder because all of the reward is yours. All of those late nights, all of the blood, sweat and tears, um, everything that you're building when you see it for the first time, um, you know, when, when you get those first orders, when you get that, that initial feedback and start to hear from other dog parents, you know, how it actually is making an impact. That's, that's the reward that drives you at the end of the day. Um, and then, you know, financially as well, like if, if the money weren't going into the business, it would probably be in the stock market and, you know, various other asset classes. <laughs> And generally, you know, if, if you own the entire business, you should have much greater reward than if you're, you know, just a shareholder with some small piece. Um, you know, overall, if, if you're managing and running your business, um, you know, taking into account all of those learnings and failures and iterating and continuing to improve, then three years in or five years in, you should have returns that are in the multiples rather than, you know, if you look at, for example, just the aggregate returns of the stock market. So, um, you know, it, it makes sense, but it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's often, you know, it's always easier to say that than when you're, <laughs> when you're living it and you don't have that crystal ball <laughs> to know if you'll still be around the next year. You know, again, it's just, this is such a great conversation because I love when you think about, risk comes reward and the ownership that you have. And so even when you think through this notion of ownership, um, the reward is really what drives us. Like, and, and even that first order and saying, I did it, I can do it. Let's keep moving. And when you think through, you know, you've done so many accelerators, as you've mentioned, you've had great successes in that lane. You've also taken the key learnings So when you think through the trajectory of the business based upon what you've learned, what you've been through with COVID and kind of where you're going, where is your focus now? Like, what is that lens that you're looking through? What's the focus that's driving the business forward? Where do you see the evolution of the business going? Um, So the biggest shift and really what drives our focus today has been that real appreciation for talking to customers first, talking to them early um, and kind of making sure that what your consumers need is what's driving your decision making day to day. Um, the business was born out of my, you know, personal or, or my foster dog's very, you know, individual need. Um, initially, I thought that I had a solution for paw problems in the Northeast and cold winters with dry weather. Um, you know, that evolved to being able to really meet just skincare needs of dogs overall. So especially their their noses, their skin. Um, but the focus was still pretty much topical. Um, as, as part of our shift, you know, what really drove that shift, one was participating in the Target Accelerator program and understanding just um, how much bigger the potential opportunity was, like just what the different areas were where we might be able to make a difference. Um, But coming out of that, you know, having that perspective from mass retail, but then really, you know, what we 
did last year, we spent the second half of the year basically just immersed in customer discovery. Um, so we had lots of hour long interviews, both with our own customers, as well as um, dog parents who'd never heard of our brand or our products um, across the US and Canada. Um, we spent a couple of months on that, really like digesting the findings, what we thought we learned in the interviews. And then we took that um, and funneled that into a survey that we deployed to over a thousand dog parents and our target markets to really make sure that we understood what we thought we heard about the unmet um, needs that they had, the different pain points, what they were still struggling with. Um, and from that, we basically, you know, from those learnings after that survey, that's really how we built out the product roadmap um, and what we've, you know, everything that we've been launching over the last couple of months and where we're headed over the next year. That also basically was the driving force behind our rebrand and relaunch. Um, when we realized we would need to expand beyond topical, the name Pup Wax spoke very specifically mm -hmm. to those topical products. So wax being, you know, one of the ingredients, Pup Wax. Um, and we realized, okay, we need a name that more broadly captures the essence of where we're headed, which is really just um, overall providing wellness solutions for dogs um, across categories, going far beyond just the topical into functional supplements, into grooming products, into dental. Wow. You know, it's so interesting. Everyone talks about um, listening to their customers and it's an interesting balance as a founder because you've clearly started something based upon your needs and your wants and what you believe and being able to match that with true consumer data and then listening to it and then saying, okay, here's how we move forward. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a humbling experience, I will say. It's a learning experience. But when you thought about this rebrand, because to your point, if we stay in one place, then we limit ourselves and we limit the potential of what we can be and what we can build. Mm -hmm. And so I love this notion of we wanted something that broadly captured the essence of what you were building. And so you went on this journey to rebrand and relaunch. And was that something that you did internally? We have founders talking about adding new products and SKUs and like trying to find the right resources? Was it, did you do it internally? Did you engage? Were there resources from the accelerator? What what was that process to, to do the rebrand and about how long did that take? Um, so, so I would say almost nothing was internal. Um, again, even just for the rebranding <laughs> itself, we talked to customers. So we, um, you know, just, just taking it back to the very, to the very, um, the umbrella of the rebranding, which is the new name. So we rebranded from Pup Wax to Puppington. Um, and, you know, we knew from our kind of our learnings the first time around that we want to have a name that captures, you know, what we're trying to accomplish as the brand, um, but that also just really resonates um, with dog parents. So we started again with a survey. Um, we, we deployed a brand name survey to again, um, over a thousand dog parents. Um, and it's funny because my top, so we, we deployed, I think we had five names that we've narrowed it down to five or six. My top choice by far was Pup Row. And to me, I was thinking of like the fashion brand, the row, and I was thinking of like London and luxury. And I thought, oh, it sounds so fancy. Pup row. It's perfect. Um, we sent this out in the survey, um, you know, with four or five other names and Pup Row came in dead last. What we heard from customers from dog parents wow. was <laughs> dead last. Pup row <laughs> made dog parents think of death row, of skid row, of prison. <gasps> 
<laughs> completely the opposite could not wow. have been further that's from what right. we were trying to that's capture. Right. <laughs> that speaks to thank goodness you did the consumer listening at that specific level. Yeah. And, and it was a tough call because it is really expensive to, to, to invest that much time and resources in, you know, really getting out there and talking to customers. Um, but you know, it's, it's important. If we had gone with the name Pupro, we would have start, launched with headwinds um, that would have just made it that much harder to kind of rebuild and go out there. You know, if you have people thinking of Skid Row and Death Row when they hear of your brand um, and you're trying to build this clean label, healthy, um, great brand for dogs, it's, it's really counterproductive. Um, so, so we went back to the drawing board, came out with five more names. Um, and for the second round, Puppington actually emerged as the really, really clear winner. Um, so then we were able to go forward and know, you know, with a much higher degree of confidence, okay, this is the one. Um, this time around, I also worked with a trademark attorney from the start rather than the first time around with Pup Wax, I basically built the brand, had everything done, and then went to have it trademarked. Um, this time around, you know, we worked with an attorney early on to make sure that, um, you know, we feel that there's a high degree of success um, or a, a likelihood to get it onto the principal trademark register. Oh, my goodness. You are just a G. <laughs> I love it. I love this. And I definitely I feel like there's so much. We'll have to do a part two and get into trademark and branding and all the things that you've done so well. All the lessons um, learned. But I do. I <laughs> All the lessons learned. Um, that'll be our next one. That's what we'll call it. All the lessons learned. Um, and as we close out the show, you have just shared so much in such a succinct way. What is the one brand that you're excited about? We're excited about Puppington. I'm actually like, can't wait for my little doggy to try. Um, what's another brand that you're thinking about for, for pets, for people, for the environment that you'd love to share? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, I've just, I've been able to connect with so many great brands um, in the pet space, you know, just through finally getting networked over the last couple of years. Um, I would say, let's see, putting me on the spot <laughs> to name just one. <laughs> I'm so sorry. This is my favorite question because it's like my learning. This is my master's in new brand product. <laughs> yep. Yep. No, it's, it's, it's a really great question. Um, Oh, it's tough. It, what do you use on your face every day? On my face, I use actually sunblock. <laughs> no matter what. And that's okay. Okay. <laughs> Julie, this has just been so much fun. Anything that's supporting pets and the environment and passion, all for it. And thank you for sharing like such great business tips and thinking through the lens. Um, differently in terms of building a business. So it's been a pleasure. Thank you for being part of Founder Studio. Thank you for sharing um, space with me in the conversation. Thank you so much, Kendra. It's been such an honor to be part of the Founder Studio. Um, it's been so much fun today. Thanks again for having me. You have given me a deeper, deeper love for my pet than what I already had. And I loved him so much. So thank you for your passion, your tips, your expertise. I appreciate you so much. And every week I share an influencer I'm checking out. Thank you, Julie, for the tip around sunblock. That is a great one that we should all be thinking about and using regularly. One of my favorite influential brands is at Black Girl Sunscreen. So make sure to check out at Black Girl Sunscreen. 
And as always, I like to leave you with one thing from today's guest. And that is remembering that with risk comes reward. With risk comes reward. And it's that reward that really drives us forward. So think about the risk that you're taking, but ultimately lean into the reward. And with that, follow, rate, and subscribe to Business of the Beat on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You don't want to miss an episode, and we love to hear from you. Leave a five-star rating and a review. Until next week. Business of the Beat is hosted by Kendra Bracken-Ferguson, assistant producer Jenny Salk, associate producer Ariel Mancibo, executive producer Kendra Bracken-Ferguson, edited by Fishmar Creative, executive producer Ken Johnson. Find the Business of the Beat podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Odyssey, Amazon Music, or where you get your podcast, and on IG at Business of the Beat. Business of the Beat is a mean old line media production. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Parts.